Welcome to Podcasting Smarter, the podcast for podcasters by podcasters. Podcasting Smarter is the official podcast from Podbean, featuring podcasting interviews, best practices, and helpful tips. We're here to give you the tools, resources, product updates, and news to help you get started podcasting and keep your podcast growing. Hello, and welcome to Podcasting Smarter. I'm Norma Jean Belenke, Podbean's head of events. And in this episode, we're so excited to have Katrin Skapertis back with us. Katrin is known for her expertise in podcast marketing and audience development. Today, we'll delve into effective strategies for audience growth, discussing podcast app reach, networking, and how to grow your show for both indie podcasters and podcast networks. Make sure to listen through to the end of this episode for actionable tips that Katrin will share. Perfect for taking your podcast to the next level. Stay tuned. And here we go. In terms of partnerships with major podcast platforms and optimizing audience development, which is really what we're talking about right? <laughs> in terms of that in-app promo and making sure you're on other apps. So what are some platform partnerships that you've worked on in the past that have really brought success to podcasts? So getting featured on major podcast platforms has really helped with awareness for the podcasts that I've worked on. And I have some tips actually about managing these partnerships, these relationships with the podcast platforms. And to start, I actually have to be transparent. So my memories are tied to emotions. And I can tell you details about the time in middle school when I forgot the lyrics to a solo and ran off the stage mortified, but I may forget the details of a quick encounter or the names of 10 people I met all at once for five minutes at an event. The good thing is I know this about myself. So going back to the question, how do I approach managing partnerships with major podcast platforms and make sure that's optimizing audience development and that there is that first step and it's forming that partnership, forming that relationship. So while maintaining, of course, professional behavior, I try and get to know the person behind the job and whatever they feel comfortable sharing with me, I actually make note of that. And I take extensive notes from the call or the in-person encounter directly after the call or encounter so I can be present during the meeting. But I write down everything in my short-term memory and everything from a comment they made about their favorite podcast to what categories of podcasts that the platform is featuring next month. And for me, making the effort to actually write it down, usually just that commits it to my long-term memory. But just in case I need it or the next time I talk to this person is a long enough time away that I may forget. I have those notes to refer back to. And this is advice I wanted to start with because this is advice that you could use for all connections. If you're in this industry for the long haul, like I am, you're going to meet a lot of people and each connection is as important to maintain as the next. And if you may not be able to remember that he doesn't like true crime podcasts and she has two dogs named Elsa and Anna, not based on a true example, by the way, (laughs) then maybe you want to write that down. It shows you cared enough to listen and take note of it, literally. And in addition to making that strong foundation, I like to ask them, what is their preferred method of sharing information? So for some of the partners that I deal with at the platforms, they prefer Google Sheets, some prefer email, some prefer form, some prefer a combination of the above. So understanding the best way to communicate with them will allow me to build out and optimize these audience development campaigns with them and these features. And 
by following the platform partner's lead with how the information should flow from the podcast or the network to the platform partner for the feature, it greatly increases the chance that the request will be taken into consideration. And this is what I've found in, in my experience. Another thing that's important is to ask them what their app priorities are. So you are likely to ask them, you know, what collections are coming up next? Some of them are intuitive, maybe they're holiday collections, but also ask them about the app because oftentimes platforms have apps and they're constantly enhancing features on the apps. And maybe that's subscriptions or episode art or interactive abilities like Q&A and polls and video and asking your platform partner, this has helped me create that relationship and then get features because I understand what's important for them for my podcasts to use and take part in on their app. So using their app to the full ability and then letting the partner know how you're using the app or the platform to the fullest ability definitely has helped me secure features in the past. And lastly, I like to shout my features from the rooftops. So using the podcast or the networks or the host owned channels such as social media to show the feature and thank the platform without, of course, don't put the partner's name because they'll suddenly be inundated with the requests from people they didn't expect. But I like to do these posts to say thank you, to tag the platform, and then include a link to the show on that particular platform. And that's really important to do a call to action to listen on that platform. So not to include, say, your website or a chartable smart link, but actually say thank you for this feature. And that goes a long way. That has gone a long way with, again, those relationships and then securing features in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about podcasting that we talk about a lot here is that podcasting is really relational. And that goes within podcasters, right? That's the relationships you have with other podcasters in your niche, other podcasters within the industry. But then that's also, you know, a lot of podcasting companies and organizations. So I think you're right. If you're featured on Apple Podcasts, you provide the Apple Podcast link. If you're featured on Podbean, provide the Podbean link <laughs> to listen to the show. And I think that that's really important. And and, you know, when a platform sees, oh, hey, you know, we featured this podcast and they've shared the feature and they're so excited to be featured on our platform and we're getting extra exposure from that. It really benefits as well. Absolutely. I fully agree. So in terms of finding the balance between content creation and promotional activities, where have you seen podcasters find that balance and what does that look like for both networks and more indie podcasters as well? Sure. So. Finding the balance between content creation and promotional activities for a podcast starts with the quality of the content. The foundation of a successful podcast does lie within its content. And because I'm not the one producing podcasts myself, often I do work with producers very closely. So if you're working with a producer, I would say making sure you're on the same page about what it means to have that high quality content, making sure that it's engaging, informative, and valuable that it resonates with the target audience. And for indie podcasters, if you're doing the producing yourself, it's the same concept, making sure that you are producing high quality content and then balancing that between the creation and the promotion. Another way to stay balanced between content creation and promotional activities within a podcast is establishing a consistent release schedule. So I always preach consistency with everyone I work with. Consistency is the key to loyal listeners. So Working with the producer and the host to set a realistic and sustainable release schedule that allows to put out high quality episodes for the promotion side of things, the more time in advance that I have to work on the campaigns, the better. 
especially for things where the necessary timeline is out of my control, such as platforms that require a few weeks notice for submitting for features. For indie podcasters, the advice here is the same. Establish a consistent release schedule. So don't try to do weekly podcasts if that's just not feasible for you. Finding consistency is going to be really key here. Another thing to find a balance with is call to actions in the content. So I've had hosts who are hesitant to ask for things like ratings and reviews, but I try and help them understand that these things are important. And then we find where in the podcast content that that fits best. So finding that balance between the content and the promotion side. And then of course, regularly analyzing your podcast analytics will help with this as well. So actively listening to your listeners that can help you understand what content is resonating best with them. So looking at those reviews, looking at the comments on social posts and identifying the content and promotional strategies that are effective. And of course, which ones need improvement. Yeah, absolutely. And next, I want to talk a little bit about social media. So social media is really great for increasing brand awareness and audience growth in podcasting. But there's a lot of different strategies out there that people are using. And some work and some are just putting stuff out, right? And so what have you found has been really effective in terms of social media strategies for both brands and indie podcasters? The first strategy I would recommend is picking a social media platform that, again, you can stay consistent with and focusing on the best practices for that platform. When you try to be on all the platforms all at once, and especially if you're an indie podcaster and you're doing it all yourself, it's better to be on one platform and be consistent than be on all the platforms and be running around trying to post and maybe not posting the best quality content that you could be if you were focused on just one platform. Another thing is showing your face as much as possible. So for indie podcasters, you are the host. When I work with networks, my job is to make sure that the host is involved as much as possible. And I've also been part of the process of moving things from audio to video. A lot of hosts are really comfortable behind the mic, but not necessarily in front of a camera. But social media these days really is all about being personal. It's showing a human element. It's showing that you're a human. It's talking to your audience. So I've actually trained a lot of hosts or representative of podcasts at the least to be able to take a part in best practices for social media. If showing your face is not possible, audiograms is a good resort. It's stitching audio on top of a static image. I used to stitch together stock video also for hosts who weren't comfortable showing their face. Now there's even AI for that. So my strategies here with social media is pick a platform, stay consistent, learn best practices, and show your face as much as possible, or at least a human element. It could be a hand. Yeah, absolutely. And we've had a lot of people come on and talk about the fact that showing your face really makes a difference. Kira Deneen from the DNA Today podcast came on and said that, you know, when she does a giveaway, if her face is next to the book, right, in the giveaway, it does significantly better on social media. So I think that that personal element is huge. And you want to dive deep on each platform, find out where your audience is. And don't try and be everywhere, try and be where they are. So I think that that's a really great aspect as well. Really great tip. And I want to talk about maybe some innovative marketing techniques that have been effective in growing podcast networks, right? So podcast networks are really for podcasters out there who have a show and then they start a second show and then they bring their friends on and, and then sooner or later, you know, they're selling 
hundreds of thousands of impressions. So it's something where at Podbean, we host podcast networks. We have an amazing plan. Our metered bandwidth network plan is amazing. And we have a lot of networks with us. And so what are some things that you've noticed in terms of networks and growth that has made the difference in terms of marketing? So I'm going to start with one that I don't know how innovative it is, but I had never seen people doing this until I started proposing it to my connection. So maybe it's common knowledge for others, but I think it's worth mentioning. So as you said, many networks are often born from one great podcast, one podcast that has a lot of impressions to be able to barter for swaps. But a new podcast you launch on that network will be starting from scratch, and you want the cross-promotion campaigns to start from launch day. So what I found effective is setting up swaps that aren't match for match and aren't necessarily run of network either, but are strategically paired between three or four podcasts, the two within your network, the original successful podcast and the new podcast, and then one or two in the other network that have matching audiences. So these are cases where I ask for another podcast to promote the new show in exchange for the show promoting the established show. Some other more innovative marketing techniques, attending events. So again, this may not seem innovative, especially if you are part of a large company, maybe going to things like podcast movement or the podcast show are common practice, but I've worked with a lot of indie podcasters, smaller networks, and they often question if the cost of going to events is worth it. And I've also met podcasters who don't know of some of the events that exist. Networking is one of the best marketing techniques in this industry, and it is a key component to setting up all types of innovative strategies, cross-promotion strategies. Events allow you to personally connect with as many people as you can all at once. For example, for a new show of a season in a podcast network that didn't have many impressions to swap, I set up an interview with a host of a matching podcast audience. This host wanted to be interviewed and the network wanted impressions. So they got the interview and we got the impressions for ad space in their podcast. And it took me knowing people because of connections I've made at events to make this happen. So my advice here is go to as many events as you reasonably can, get connected. And especially when trying to grow a podcast network, but also when trying to just grow a podcast. And even better, if you can pitch yourself for a panel at one of the events that you plan to attend, and it gets selected, it will make your network more well-known amongst the industry. And lastly, I would say for growing a network, partner. For example, with a more established network, figure out what you can offer well and agree to partner with a network that is more well-known than yours, offering that service that you do well, or figure out ways to partner with other industries. Actually, for example, one partnership I found interesting lately was Novel's partnership with The Girlfriends and No More, which is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to ending domestic and sexual violence. While I'd imagine the motivation was not marketing first, the collaboration is for a great cause. It does help bring media attention, which is great for the growth of the show and thus the network. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Podcasting Smarter. If you have any podcasting questions or want to get in touch, send us an email at podcastingsmarter at podbean.com. Thanks so much and happy podcasting.